I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Yeah. Jules, what a weekend. So much going on. Um, Real Madrid, a lot of VAR Incredible. stuff. Some crazy techers in the Barcelona game. Yeah. Late winner for Bayer Leverkusen. Daniel yeah. Lewis making his debut in the Eternal City. On the flip side, obviously, Manan, Milan, not yeah. good. Yeah. But we have to start in Bayern. Uh, Bayern Munich at home. Fair to Bremen. After a long break... They managed to lose 1-0. Harry Kane doesn't take his first shot on goal until the second half. Yeah. I am mystified. So shall we ask Jan Augefjortoft to make of sense of this, of, of what course. we just saw? Yeah, we can. Please give me all your questions and I'll try to solve them for you. What happened? Them. Tell us what happened on Sunday. Well, in general, it happened that uh, a former Bayer player, Weiser, came home and made a 1-0. And as, as you were saying, Harry Kane didn't do what Harry Kane normally do, creating chances. Uh, and, and to be fair to Werder Bremen, it's not like, yes, Tell had a fantastic chance yeah. at the end, great save by the goalkeeper and so on. But if you saw at least first half, part of part of second half as well, it was not undeservedly that uh, Werder Bremen took all three points. What, what, why is this happening? I mean, there, there, there's a lot of analysis on that. But I do think, and I, I thought a lot about this in, in the weekend, that this thing that Leverkusen is doing at the moment, and no, I'm not talking about them being brilliant. I'm not talking about Alonso. I'm not talking about the recruiting that is brilliant. I'm talking about this thing to win in Augsburg in the 94th minute and then winning Leipzig that everybody thought, well, they would at least give away a couple of points there. And then they're managing to win 3-2. I don't think that this Bayern team have the same uh, uh, what kind of word I can use? It. You know what you a word I wanted to use. Cojones. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have the same uh, courage uh, like the, can, the, the great, great Bayern teams because you, I think they feel the pressure. You can say testicular fortitude. I think yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. scientific exactly. uh, term here. And look, I mean, you, you're right. I, I saw Werder Bremen uh, deserved it. There was the other chance with when when Weiser was 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 ran right through the middle, yeah. and that was called back for the for the foul on Musiala. Um, but what really surprised me here, and, and I know there's a lot of layers, and it's FC Hollywood and all this stuff. This is after a long break, right? That they had. They had a lot of time together. I think was it did they go to Portugal uh, as well? So he's had time to train them, to refocus them. A little bit like when their game, the, the snowbound game, I think it was against Union Berlin, that was, uh, uh, the, the, that was postponed. They have a lot of time to train and stuff. Yeah. And then they come back, and they lost that game, the, 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 the next game. And they come back in this game, and they lose. Is it overthinking? And, and also, with that, some of this has to be on Tuchel. Because we saw what he said after the game. And he said, oh, they're fantastic in training. And then they come out and they're so fly. It sounds to me like he's having a direct go at his players, which is often not helpful. No, it's not helpful. But I think that you kind of, when you have a look in the box, what kind of tools you got left, I think that has to be said because this Bayern team is not that constant, constant, what the Germans saying. There's nothing consistent. stable of... Yeah. Consistent. Thank you very much uh, of their uh, of their performances, and there is also yes. I think that the thing that we always discuss: yeah, Müller got to play, or Goretzka on the bench this time. Kimmich is not what he used to be. Uh, the, the the defender Delict is not what he used to be. I think that somehow that is a 
deflection of what is really going on. I think that they haven't managed to, to, to make that master team there. Yes, we've seen them in the Champions League. Yes, we have seen them in some, some, some games. But I, I'm going back to my, to my first argument about now you have a real team in Alonso that is calm. Not even when Bayern got linked to everybody except the dr- bus driver at Leverkusen. They seem to kind of do something. They just keep on playing well. I don't think they, they have a culture in Bayern now to uh, to uh, right. accept that, I just, I just think that Tuch, so they won three three nil the game before on the first game after the winter break. He was not happy. He said that uh, you know there was not enough rhythm. There was not this, not that. So they win three nil. He's not happy, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen him many times, and Jan have been to a lot of their games or covering their game where. They haven't played great, but you win, but he's still not happy. He's, he seems never happy. And we know him well too, and we've followed him when he was at Chelsea, especially when he was at PSG. But there were still times where he was happy. And right now, it feels like just nothing is making him well, happy sorry, at sorry, all sorry. since he moved to Bayern. Of course he's unhappy. You're coaching a team that's won nine straight league titles. You've added Harry Kane in the summer, right? Uh, and you stink. You're seven points out. And you're not playing good football. You know what? You know how much I love the law and lawyers, right? Yeah. I'm going to be the judge, a very impartial judge. You will be the prosecution because okay. I'm presuming you want to prosecute Tuchel here, right? Yeah. And uh, the yeah. Honorable Jan Agafjortoft will be the counsel for the defense. Okay. What is the jacuz against? No, but like, I Tuchel? think you should do the jacuz because. I'll you, do the jacuz. Yeah. Okay, fine. I, I'm, more into, I'm more into Jans' team uh-huh. in terms of wanting to defend him because I just don't think he's sold on him. You were not happy that Nagelsmann was sacked and was replaced by Tuchel. You no. felt Nagelsmann deserved more time, which, well, is, question. which is fair enough. Which is true because the Tuchel's record is far worse than Nagelsmann's, but quiet. But, but knowing <laughs> Tuchel like we all three of us do, uh-huh. right? There's clearly, for him to be like this, so the, the war of words with Mateus and all the pundits on Sky Germany and all of that... Clearly, the tension within his team, within his squad, within his dressing room, within the club, I think it's just also taking his toll. He doesn't feel like he can just right. fully focus on the pitch. He didn't maybe get the players that he wanted in the summer, apart from Harry Kane, but he wanted the number six. Whether you agree or not that this Bayern team needs a six, it's a different problem. He's your manager. He wants a number six. He should have got a number six. Okay. <laughs> uh... I, this, is, this is your defense of... No, 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 I'm just saying, this is the start of the discussion. There's no defense. Like, I, I think that it's not just all on him. Jan agrees with me. You think he's all his fault. I don't understand even how you can say he's all his fault. I, I'm not going to say it's all his fault. But I'm saying is the buck has to stop somewhere. And while it's true, and Jan, I want to bring you in here. It's true that coaching Bayern is, is a difficult job because you have 100 people and 150 opinions. And they're all arguing and talking and sniping and, and the limelight and whatever else. But guess what? A lot of coaches who are far worse than Thomas Tuchel have managed to do it and won. Maybe it didn't last long, but they did it and they actually won things, including your pal Mr. Kovac and, and, and whatever. Everybody who's been there since Pep Guardiola has won. In fact, before Pep Guardiola too, right? Every single person has won the title. Yeah, but... And we've never seen... I, I, I don't remember... He's won the title as well, Tuchel. What? Tuchel has won a title. Yeah, level on point with Borussia Dortmund. It doesn't Dortmund. matter. He's won a title and he can still okay. win this one. <laughs> yes, okay. Carlo won a title and then got sacked in September. Okay. So, so if the uh, season began, right, when, um, when what's his name, when, when, when Nagelsmann was sacked, he would not have won the title. It doesn't correct? matter. He okay. won okay. the title. Okay. Oh, fine, fine, right. But the point is they win the title every year, right? Now he's seven points behind. And what concerns me is 
Jan, people know what working at Bayern is like. People know the pressures, right? Thomas Suchel knew this. He knows what he's walking into. He knows the responsibility of the job. He's had big, difficult jobs before. I don't think Paris Saint-Germain is a dawdle either, especially yeah. with those people in charge. Um, if it's a problem of culture, the culture comes from the guy who's with the players all the time. The person who goes away with the players at training camps, the person who works with them, the person who knows what buttons to push, the person who I presume uh, decides to play Guerrero in midfield and brings him in and Limer it right back and trust this guy with that one. I, it's not fair to expect them to perform miracles or keep all the players happy all the time. But when you blame culture, a big part of the manager's job is to install, instill the culture in the squad. Or, or am I wrong here, Jan? No, you're right. I think that what, what you have to start with is to understand Bayern. Because based on the German culture, based on German pundits, there are only, I guess, three coaches in the whole world in the last hundred years that can coach Bayern. That is Udo Latte, that is Otmar Hitzfeld, and is your Pankis. Everybody else are just nobodies. Let's just know that that for a fact. So it doesn't matter who, who will be there. Even Pep Guardiola, they won't admit it now. When Pep left Bayern, they said, well, it was time for something new. It was too yes. complicated. I remember yeah. that all too well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And the trainings were, were a, bit, uh, a, a bit too intense. It was too into details. Okay, enough said about that. Uh, if you just isolate the, the, the Tuchel thing that he's done at Bayern, it's not been a success. We have to admit that. He, he took over a team. Dortmund said, I, we don't want the trophy, so we give it to you. But fair enough, he won the league. That is with Jules. That, I give that to Jules. He's out of the Cups. He was out of the Champions League, and so on and so on. What I do say is that that is not Tuchel is a part of the problem and the solution, but it's also something in the Bayern culture they have to do. So, okay, they fired Nagelsmann. He was the best young coach ever, ever. It was like the Harry Potter of coaching. Okay, we take him out. That didn't work. We take Thomas Tuchel. He's a bit different. He's more the Voldemort in the, the Harry Potter story. He's comes <laughs> yeah. in and try. Yeah, he's he's try he's tried to get, kind of get the culture together. Salahamidzic out. Oliver Kahn out, they didn't do enough, and blah, 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 blah. The problem is with Bayern is that they will keep on doing this forever. And that, that's my point. There is only three coaches who could do that. Who should they get now? They don't want to pep back. Oh, yeah, we do Klopp. Klopp, we can take Klopp. I swear to God in heaven, if Klopp will stay there after six months, it will be exactly the same thing, even worse, because Klopp is the media man and he will kind of have a go at them. You know what? When you say it could be the same thing, even worse, in terms of, in terms of chaos and, and, and backbiting and whatever, maybe. But in terms of performances on the pitch, in terms of results, would it necessarily be worse? I don't know. We're basically saying this job is impossible. Nobody can win. But then they do. They've won the title a million years in a row. So clearly those two things don't necessarily jibe. I, I'm sorry. I see a bit of an inconsistency there. Yeah, yeah no, no. I think but I agree with Jan. It's, it's a really tough job, though. And you said it yourself, too, Gab. I think where Tuchel is not helping himself is that clearly he's not really sure exactly what to do. So... There's a problem with Kimmich, and we can talk about Kimmich. I know how you feel about Kimmich, but please repeat it. I want to know what Jan thinks about what could be the problem between Tuchel and Kimmich. Do they just don't get on? Would Tuchel want Kimmich to be better and to, to do a better job in that midfield? Do, does, do, would he love him to be a right back? And clearly he can't do that. That's why he put Lima there and not Kimmich. I just don't know, but there's clearly a problem. And he took him off early in that game, which felt 
very much like a humiliation in Munich for someone like Kimmich. And also the, the fact that the numbers don't lie. They had been unbeaten in 32 games in all competition at home. They lost on the two hole. I think they've been scoring at least one goal for the last 65 games at home. And the oldest managers, they don't do it under two hole. So as much as I like him and love him and want to defend him, me and Jan, against you, there's also a point where I don't think he's helping himself. And when, the, when you break those records, who are bad records, because as we've been saying, this is Bayern, then I think we, that has to be against you too. I think with friends like Jules, Tuchel doesn't really need uh, enemies there when you rattle off. <laughs> I do both. I do friend and no friends. <laughs> All right, we'll get to Kimmich in a minute because obviously that's, that's a major issue. But I want to ask a little bit about the right-back situation because, again, I, 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 I go back to this, right? Pavard leaves, who I'm not a big Pavard guy, uh, but, you know, I think he did win a few things with his national team and mm-hmm. was a decent servant. And I understand there were contractual issues, whatever. Stanisic also leaves. Okay, fine. Um, and now you're in the situation. And in this all summer long, you break balls over Palinia, number six, number 10, 27, whatever. Like you're reading the freaking lottery numbers, right? Well, you only realize there's an issue at right back now. No, I think they were also trying to get a right back, but they just okay. ran out of time. Like and then they, 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 they can only two, count to three when it comes that's to not two holes fault, yeah. And then they realize they need a fourth one, right? That's not two holes fault. That's not on two holes, the recruitment. Oh, I like Okay, no, no, no. No, okay. I'm just okay. asking you. I'm asking no, no. you. Well, look, I, I genuinely believe, and, and I'm assuming in normal situations, and we've ascertained Jan Bayern, not a normal club, right? But if I am so invested, in the way I want to do things as a club, that I sack Nagelsmann to bring in Tuchel, I expect to give Tuchel, to sit down with Tuchel and say, what are our priorities this summer, right? Mm -hmm. I presume Harry Kane was priority number one, right? Because you don't want to go into battle with Choupo-Moteng and and Matthijs Tell, right? Tell not yet, maybe one day. Uh, And then you go down your list. And he got most of what he wanted. And then he pops yeah, up I, in the final days of the transfer market shouting about Palinha and 80 million and all this nonsense. Well, dude, well, is he the only name on your list? Is this a special? Is it a no, Venn I diagram think, of one? Sorry, Jan, go ahead. No, no, just I think that is a fair point. And I, I, and I like the way if, if you have friends like Jules and you have friends like me, because I can do that way as well. Because there's no problem to see that at Bayern, the Bayern man for man, Player for player, they should be ahead of Leverkusen. Uh, Alonso and Leverkusen got more of the potential out out of every each player they have in the squad than Tuchel has done. And I think that a lot of these things about a six and a, a right back and so on that is very alibi. I think that is something to look for. If if they didn't win, an, if they got a six, they will say we need an eight. And if they hundred yeah, uh, percent, no, no, okay, but. yeah, I, I think I think that is the main thing, and that is the only thing that I this number six thing. You know the culture in Germany; they always into these numbers and number six, number six, because they know that Tuchel at the end will have a go at them. I don't, I don't want to hear that, and that's why we have the bridge to the Kimmich situation as well, because everybody said that he could be number six, uh, or at least he said it himself. But Tuchel said, no, no, I don't want him on number six. Okay, what did he play this weekend? He played number six. Uh, he can play right back. He can solve that because he's the new Philip Lam. No, he wasn't. Okay, so this is keep on going, going, going. So I think that this is alibi. I don't think that is the best in his court case for Tuchel, to be fair. 
since we love numbers, Jules, you played number six next to a guy who played spent most of his career playing fullback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. No, just checking. Sense. No, 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 no. Just checking. I'm just saying on the recruitment side, there's other people at the club like Uli Hones, mm -hmm. who can clearly see there's only one right back in this squad, which is Marjorie, who is going to go to Afcon between. The beginning of January and the beginning of and this is a secret that only Uli Hernes knows and Tuchel hasn't discovered. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that even if Tuchel, so you you blaming Tuchel for not signing a right back, right? This is what no, you said. I'm blaming the club as a whole. But, but yeah, what I'm saying so, is, you have enough other people. You can't go on and on about the right back and about Palinia. No, no, no. Do I better with what you have. No, no, fair enough. That's fair enough. I still just think that the club didn't help him by not signing another right back. Okay, the six is a more debatable position and signing. But certainly a right back. Or don't let Stanisic go on loan to Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, so I'm sorry. Is it plausible that they let Stanisic go without asking Tuchel first? Is it plausible that they said, hey, Tommy T, Benjamin Pavard's contract is going to expire in a year's time. He wants a ton of money. We're not sure about giving it to him. Is it okay to sell him to Inter? And, yeah, but then... But yeah, do we need to buy somebody else? No? Okay, fine. No, that's not true. I don't believe it. Any second that Tuchel said we'd only need to replace Pavard and Stanisic. This is not true. This can't be true. Really can't be true. Tuchel would have wanted another right back. Uli Hones would have wanted another right back. Anybody working at that club would have looked at that right. squad and said, listen, right. there's clearly weaknesses there, including a right back. So I, it's, not, it's impossible that Tuchel didn't say, like, let's have another right back. Maybe he was hoping to rehabilitate Bunasar. No, but they just uh, let them go and could not sign a replacement because right. sometimes you can't sign someone. Before we have the big Kimmich 6 debate, uh, can we just <laughs> talk about the 3 debate, as in, as in Davies? What, what, what's going on? I know there's a contractual issue. Yeah, he, I think he doesn't want to be there anymore. And so he decides to play badly the whole no, year? No, but last season he was already... I don't know what Jan thinks. Last season he was already not great, to be no. fair. Well, yeah, he, was, he came back from his injury and yeah, then he struggled. True. And I chalked it up to that. This season, I think he's really struggled. Is it all Fonzie's fault that he's not been the Fonzie we know? Or is some of that on Tuchel, Jan? Well, first of all, I think that players who's not performing, they have first to have to look at themselves. That is point one. And there is also, and that's why we can discuss the Real Madrid link, contractual situation. And there is a lot of players who can't handle that. I mean, uh, you have strong personalities. They say, we don't care. And then I go to a free or whatever. Other players, young players, see themselves in another perspective. They maybe forget to do the thing. I'm not saying Davis do that because I don't see them in training. But what we do see in games is that Davis hasn't developed. And that is down to... That is down to to, uh, to this player himself because I haven't seen anything in the games or anything in the formation of Bayern that denies him doing his run, denies him doing the overlaps on, on, on that left, left side. I haven't seen that. But I can, can see a lot of players getting insecure be, because of the others' performance back there. You see Opa Makano when he had one of those days off. It's, not hard, it's, not, it's quite hard to play good next to him and so on. Well, I, I don't know. I just saw Davies, I saw Mitchell Weiser blowing past them. Yeah, Mitchell, the goal is Mitchell Weiser, who misspells his own first name, by the way, yeah, yeah. only just one L. Uh, <laughs> and, and I, yeah. I, 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 I'm nah, yeah, that's shocked bad. at that, that stage of bad. the game. Yeah, that's bad. Um, all right. Joshua Kimmich. Was passiert hier, Jan? Your favorite. What's Your going on? Your favorite. What, why uh, is this situation... Like, honestly, should, should Kimmich just saying, all right, I'm going to shut my mouth and pay, and you'll be gone, Tommy. And I'll just get on with it because I'm going to outlast you. Is that what he should be doing? Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, we should sometimes not 
search too hard for good metaphors. But I, I, was, I was seeing Kimmich from when he was a kid coming into to Bayern. He's kind of this crown prince of German football. Everybody said he's going to be the captain of Germany. Everybody said he's going to be the captain of Bayern. Oh, he's, he's so great, this man. He doesn't have an, even have an agent and so on and so on. But if you had a look, if you have a very close look at Bayern, there were times that he was the problem, didn't have maybe the progress, the energy. Is he a great player? Of course he's a great player. We know we're talking to, taking him to the next step. And I step, and I think that something has something has happened in Bayern. I think they just had enough of him for some different reason. Because to be a leader, to be a future captain, to be a crown prince, you need the the palace to to support you. And I'm with Jules. Yes, Goretzka was on the bench now. That was humiliating for him. But taking him off when we need a goal in the 64th minute, you take Kimmich off. And you know the discussion going on in Germany. That is a sign. Yeah. There is something going on. And I think that these, these are maybe a player that some English club will, will, will get a, use a lot of money to get and say, we got a bigger star at Bayern and Bayern. I say, yeah, I got you. You know, so Bayern won Mukiele from PSG because he can play right back, center back, even left back. He's a good squad player to have. I'm not saying that he's the new Beckenbauer, but this. And in those discussions, I think PSG were were led to believe from the Kimmich camp that there was a possibility that maybe if they put Mukele and some money that Kimmich might come the other way. So I, I don't think this will happen. And I think, again, I think January is not... If, if Bayern want to get rid of Kimmich, you have to do it in the summer so you've got more time to replace him, prepare, all of that. However, whether it's the Kimmich camp who opened the door and say, yeah, like, a bit like Jan, what Jan was saying, we, we, we kind of fancy something else than Bayern now. Whether it's Bayern who are trying to kind of push him out, but there's clearly something else happening there because the Mukele deal from PSG to Bayern is an easy deal to do. He's not playing much at PSG. Sorry. PSG bought him for 10 million. They can sell him for 30. It's great profit for them. This is an easy, easy a, a super easy deal to do. If the deal hasn't been done yet, it's because PSG are trying to get Kimmich into that deal for him to come to PSG. And again, that might not happen and Mukele might not even make the, the move from Paris to Munich or he might still do on his own. But I think that's a good um, insight, in a way, of what's going on in Munich around Joshua Kimmich right now. So you guys are talking about the possibility of moving uh, Bukele, sorry, Bukele, of moving uh, Joshua Kimmich out, and you keep saying Bayern, Bayern, right? Do you mean Tuchel, Tuchel? Who, of course, used to work for Paris Saint-Germain? No. You mean actually Bayern? So you mean, you mean so, so I, I'm sorry. Now, so we're, we're turning this into triangulation now, right? I am Uli Hoeneß. I am the lord and master of Bayern, right? And I see Tuchel and Kimmich, right? My manager, who I spent an enormous amount of money on with the Nagelsmann compensation or whatever, and the crown prince, the man who's going to carry Thomas Muller's crown when he retires in about 15 years. I see these two guys fighting, and my solution is... Maybe to get rid of both of them? Yeah, but hang on. You're Uli Hones. You haven't been happy with Joshua Kimmich's performances for a while. I'm assuming right? he hasn't been happy with Thomas Tuchel's performances. No, no. I, I, yeah. We don't talk about Thomas Tuchel. Okay, we talk fine. about Kimmich, right? Yeah. If you're Uli Hones mm-hmm. and you watch every single game, pretty much every single training session, you have seen Kimmich not doing well, right? Oh, so but maybe Tuchel if you, says they train really, really well no, no, all the time. Come on, Gab, please. <laughs> so if you're Uli Hones, what do you do then? Because maybe Uli Hones finds there's a Kimmich problem too, outside of Tuchel or whoever could be the manager. Yeah. Well, if so I'm only, we, okay. uh, listen, we, we forget, we're forgetting one point here, which uh, needs to be taken into our conspiracy kind of uh, analysis, is that 
Kimmich was, by Julian Nagelsmann, the main man. Remember back in the days, that was mm-hmm. this story. This is a typical kind of German sport, sport football story that Kimmich was on a ski holiday, met him in his uh, chalet or whatever. They don't like that, the German football players. They don't like that at Bayern. So I'm not sure that this Kimmich kind of thing is a Tuchel thing. I think it's a Bayern thing. Yeah. Do I think that they maybe can solve that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Because they will, they will see what's in the market, how much they will get from another player. Maybe he will sign for another uh, three, four, five years. But it's still, this is a Bayern thing with Kimmich. I, 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 th- I find this whole thing... You know, and people talk about the concept of creative destruction leading to excellence in corporations and whatever else. I, I don't know, maybe this is just a Bayern way because, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Remember Neuer and our friend Tapalovic or whatever, yeah. whatever the hell his friend is, right? Here's another Bayern legend, right? And all of a sudden, he's the problem. Let's not give him, right? We questioned Manuel Neuer. Now we've moved on because Neuer's old. Oh, look, who, who can we crap on next? What other Bayern legend? Oh, Joshua Kimmich. <laughs> No, seriously. And if I'm Jamal Musiala, guess what? You're going to be next. Once we're done with Kimmich, we're going to... Because I'm assuming they do this, Jan, because otherwise it's life would be too easy for Bayern? Well, well, well let's put it... Yeah, a good point. Uh, but uh, if you see, they were happy with Bastian Schweinsteiger. Manchester United took him. Philipp Lahm retired. They were happy with him. Thomas Müller, I think... This is my opinion. I think that also Bayern think it should be time off for Thomas Müller. I think that they, they think that now it's a time to start building on younger players, but they can't do that. I was in a I was in a football studio with with Christoph Freund, and I said and I said to Christoph, "Can you imagine that if you have to start here at Bayern throwing out Thomas Müller, he wouldn't have a job, Christoph Freund?" So it is, let's not make this up to make it easy for them because this is quite hard. And you, do they go on legends? Well, Sir Alex from bombed out Roy Keane. So this is the thing that happened in big clubs. So uh, I, I wouldn't be worried about that. I don't know. It, it, it is true. That, that, that's a debate, I think, for another day. How do you manage the exit of a legend? <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, like, like yeah. Thomas Muller. Yeah. There's a right way Good to do point. it. There's a wrong way to do it. Uh, Jan, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, I'm- yeah, I'm fascinated by it's, this. It's FC Hollywood always yeah, delivers. Always. All right, enough Bayern. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Liverpool beat up Bournemouth 4-0 with all goals coming in the second half. Jules, again, not a 90-minute performance, nope. perhaps, from Jurgen Klopp's side, but that second half was devastating. It was. If you take... I mean, I know it's completely pointless, what I'm going to say, so don't roll your eyes right now, and don't roll your eyes if you're listening or watching. If you take... The table of the Premier League at halftime. <laughs> Liverpool at six. Six, which shows you how bad they us- their first half usually are. And it was a very bad first half in general in that game where the two teams cancelled each other out. However, Liverpool are much better in second halves. I think because of the in-game management from Jurgen Klopp, who has depth on his bench. We've said that many, many times. He can make substitutions and things. And I thought that first goal in Bournemouth change the dynamic of the game. But when you look at it again, it's a clearance from Konate that ends up perfectly on Curtis Jones's chest. But that clearance could have gone on the motorway, in the river, <laughs> in the sea, anywhere. So uh, that little bit of luck maybe from Liverpool turned that game in their favour. After that, they were devastating though. Also, there's no Sobosly, no Salah, no, no Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. That's like, what, three of their four more most gifted players yeah. on the ball. Uh, Outstanding. Alexis McAllister, 
I don't like him in the in the sixth position. I, maybe you start liking him there. You should. But he was really good. He, he was, was really good. good. I like him further up the pitch. Yeah. Gorge from Noah Okafor and Luka Jovic give Milan a 3-2 win. Come from behind win. Sorry, away at Udinese. But Gab, the racist abuse directed at Mike Mignon in this game and the walk-off from the Milan team overshadow everything else. Yeah, no question about it. So what happened was Mike Mignon went to retrieve a ball for a goal kick and he heard people making monkey noises. The first time he ignored it, the second, because he said it was only a couple of people, the second time he says, no, screw this. Why do I have to put up with this? Yeah. And he did what he was supposed to do. He went, he told the bench, he told the referee, the referee Maresca said, okay, fine, then we're gonna apply the, po the protocol and brought the team to the center of the pitch and then they walked off the pitch. Well, this is exactly what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Uh, Udinese have immediately said we're going to work with authorities to go and uh, and identify those responsible. And I know people say, oh, nothing changes, blah, blah, blah. But I remind you that after the last time this happened uh, in Serie A uh, with Lukaku in the Coppa Italia, yeah. 174 fans were prosecuted and two were banned on the spot. Let's see. Uh, my understanding is they're looking at, uh, they've gotten video already. They're looking to identify 30 people. Not that 30 people were racially abusing him, but 30 people who might be witnesses yeah. nearby, the, near to the abuse. And we'll establish it because Manyan said something. If you don't act, you're yeah. complicit. And he's 100% correct. Yeah. Now, I hate to report that this wasn't the only racist incident this weekend. Uh, Coventry City's Casey Palmer was the victim of a racist gesture uh, at Hillsborough uh, during his team's 2-1 win away to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, and you saw it. I mean, if you look at the uh, how angry he gets when he's on the touchline, getting for the ball again, and then he clearly points out to the referee, this guy there, this guy there, or these people there... Uh, it's, it's, I think it, takes, it really takes you back. And I think, again, uh, let's hope that in this case for the championship, so not Serie A, but in the championship, because maybe sometimes there's other countries who think like, uh, that never happens to us. It's always others. We see in La Liga, we see with Vinicius, we see in Serie A. It happened to Mignon before, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see what the championship does. But they have to act very, very strongly on this case, I think, again. And Gab, in light of these, of these two incidents, FIFA President Gianni Infantino uh, spoke on Sunday and said that teams whose fans are guilty of racist abuse should automatically, automatically forfeit games, that there should be worldwide stadium bans and criminal charges for those racist uh, fans and people. This is, he's the boss of football, right? So this should mean a lot. Yeah, but it's actually totally meaningless. It's good that he speaks up and he, and he gives support and solidarity and whatever else. The reality, he doesn't have the power to do any of these things. Some of these things are bad ideas. The, 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 a club automatically forfeiting a game. Think how stupid this is. What if your team is 3-0 down? You're going to lose anyway. We Does this give that you license? Yeah. yeah, completely. Do you want to? Do you want to allow people to blackmail their own club? Do you want people to go and pose as fans of other clubs to get them to forfeit games? This is this is just this is just silly yeah. and completely impractical. It applies when there is collusion, when clubs don't do enough uh, to fight it. But in this case, no. Um, worldwide stadium bans, great idea, not enforceable. Right, even banning orders mm -hmm. where you have to go and sign at the police station a, a kickoff, you can only enforce those locally. And criminal charges for racists, well. In some countries, already, yeah. In some countries, there's a law in the book. In yes. other countries, where they see it as a free, uh, free speech issue, um, and unless there's certain conditions are met, this is not. This may or may not be a crime, and you may not be able to prosecute these people. Uh, look, the reality is this is not his jurisdiction, uh, unless he wants to do this in, in FIFA competitions like the Club World Cup or the World Cup. Um, 
So it's great that he's talking about it, yeah. but this is not a policy thing. I, I hate to say it, Johnny, but in this case, this is some this is demagoguery and little more. All right, Jules, we knocked done. We got more quick hits. Yes, God. Real Madrid come from two goals down to beat Almeria 3-2. But Jules, referee Francisco Hernandez Maeso, who, who's a young referee, yeah. uh, and VAR are very much in the spotlight. Yeah. And Hernandez Hernandez, who was the VAR, the, ref, the VAR referee for this game. Who, so good, they named him twice. Exactly. Who's the one that usually Real Madrid TV targets all the time before when he referees their game because apparently makes a lot of mistakes against them. Well, this time he was very much in their camp. Because of all the incidents, all the controversy, there might be things where we agree, like would you have given a foul from Lopi on Bellingham before the Almeria third goal that was all that? I think that's a fair foul to be given. I think, it's a f- I think that actually is a different category because I think that one... I mean, the amazing thing is when he goes to the on-field review, he sees himself. He's literally yeah. standing I mean, as far away as you are. I don't, I don't know how he missed it. So this is 100% yeah. re-refereeing, yeah. right? This, yeah, this yeah, means yeah. he has seen the incident, he's decided it's not a foul. This is not what you're supposed to do, No, right? So Definitely not. it's the kind of thing where if you don't give him real time, I don't think VAR should, should be intervening there, intervening there. I agree. Then I think there's a foul from José Lu on the... On Kaiki. On Kaiki, on the first goal that Real Madrid scored, on a penalty given uh, for handball that Jude Bellingham scores. I think that Vinicius is a handball on the second mm-hmm. goal that Real Madrid scored. And I even think that Vinicius moves his arms towards the ball to make contact with the ball as well. I, I, so he might hit his sleeve. I still think his intention, because he can't head the ball, that's all he can do. I'm not saying he's trying to yeah. cheat. I'm just well, saying that he moves his body and he hits his arm and he goes in. So I thought the Vinicius one, um, so you, you, you're saying it's, it, it, it's, again, it's not an intentional handball, but it's one of those, you, you know, where the ball goes in directly. Yeah. I actually think the ball's probably on his sleeve um, on the top part, and so it's not a handball. But again, if that's the case... Um, that's not something you overturn with an on-field review, right? I, I would have loved for this referee to have the cojones, to use that word, sorry, yeah. the testicular fortitude to go look at it and say, guys, what are you talking about? I saw this the first time, now you're showing it to me again. No, I made my decision. I'm done, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no question. And, and you feel for Almeria. You feel for Almeria. Phenomenal against Girona last week. Yeah. Should have yeah. won that game. They still haven't won a single game this season. They still haven't won a single game this season. Incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. And Gab, Carlo Ancelotti said after the game that he got the lineup wrong, that you're not going to disagree with you, with, mm, with him. I couldn't disagree you? with Carlo. By the way, hey, there was how about somebody coming out? Half. Yeah, but how about somebody coming out and owning it, which is not something you see and saying, like, my fault, my bad. Nine of the 11 players who started also started in that extra time defeat to, to Atletico on Thursday night. Um, and I think the thinking is, dude, why not rotate? Where he did rotate is he took out Kamavinga, Barancho. No, no, it's not the young guys yeah, you need yeah, to take out. Yeah, it's the oldies. Um, so, no, he's right. He owned the mistake. And I think he knows just how lucky Real Madrid were in this game with the refereeing mistakes. Yeah. Arsenal are joined second with Aston Villa. Manchester City have a game in hand. Uh, they beat Crystal Palace 5-0. Jules, the Gunners set-piece coach is getting a ton of love. Oh, and he's French as well. So Nicolas Jovert, well done. They have been really good on set-pieces since he moved from City, where he worked under Pep and Mikel Arteta, to Arsenal. They scored two, two more goals with Gabriel. Well, one Gabriel and one Henderson's own goal in, in that game. They just need a win. And yeah, of course, you can say that what broke the deadlock in that game was set pieces and I think maybe Arteta would have liked a very lovely fluid 
team goal and team move. The, the third goal, goal, by the way, also set pieces, except it's, it's an attacking corner kick for Crystal Palace. Yeah. The ball goes straight to the keeper. Everybody kind of stands around, and he just and puts then, the ball up the pitch. And then he did 2v1 yeah. or something. And then the last two goals in garbage time for Martinelli. But yeah, at least he gets some goals. I know. He gets the goal. You win. Uh, however, this was really bad from Crystal Palace and yeah. our friend Roy Hudson, who somehow is still in, in the job. Which I because they're not going to get relegated and he's yeah, older at this stage there's no point should still him. not be there anyway Juventus win away Lecce 3-0 as Dusan Vlaovic grabs another brace two more goals for him Gab they're not top although obviously Inter have a game in hand because they're in the uh, Italian Super Cup yeah look and if you break this game down uh, I actually think until Juve scored I thought it was very neck and neck Lecce yeah, really it was quite unlucky even. I agree they could have had a penalty when, when it looked like Almquist was was through. Um, it's funny with Valovic's goals because the first one, he completely scuffs it. Yeah. And he's kind he of fortunate goes in. The second one, Weston McKenney actually heads the ball. The ball's going into the net and yeah. he just kind of like gets in the way. You know what? Selfish, lucky. These are good adjectives for a center yeah. forward. It's what you want to see. It's five goals in three games. Uh, that's big for him. And, you know... Uh, they're scoring a lot of goals and they're getting the wins. And then that keeps putting, turning the screws yeah, a little bit. Even without Rabio, Even without my boy. Wild stuff in Sevilla too as Barcelona beat Betis 4-2 with a wonder goal from Joel Felix and a hat-trick from Ferran Torres. Jules, Xavi says it was one of their best performances of the season. Do you agree? Of course you agree because it's hard to disagree. Or do you just want to talk about how good Isco was in a losing effort? Isco so, MVP! Yeah, we'll come to Isco and his two goals, especially the first one, which was amazing. Was that better than the Joel Felix goal? It's so, so hard to tell. Yeah, I prefer the draw Felix outside of the right foot in like Trivella, kind of Quaresma way, if you want, like I that. I prefer Isco because you know what? You're not supposed to finish like I that. I know, but Every still. coach in the world tells you, you try to do it as a little boy, the coach says, Julien, don't do this. Yeah, although my coach was quite uh, like, you know, encouraging. Yeah? yeah, but I, lo- I just love that, Ferra- that, um, that draw Felix goal. But we'll talk about Isco later. I thought the first half especially because then... Barcelona fell asleep a little bit and considered those two Isco goals in the space of five minutes at the start of the second half. But I thought the first half was really good when Xavi decided to play two 16-year-old kids, obviously, yeah. I mean, Yamal, who we know, but then Pau Kubarsi, who, by the way, I mentioned it to you not that long ago on this show, uh, and what a great promise he was. And I think love. he's 17 today, so we can't yeah. call him a 16. But he was 16 sure, at, he the was 16 when, at the time. Uh, and who I thought was really well, did really well. And then... It's the character again that they showed to later in the game go and win instead of drawing. I think they won 25 points, something like that, or 24 points in the last 15 minutes of La Liga match season. So I know you, it's better if you do get it done before that, but I like the character that uh, they show at the end of games to go and win games. I like Xavi. He's stamping his authority on this team, taking Lewandowski off at yeah. 2-2. Uh, that takes testicular fortitude, yeah. knowing when to give Joao Felix another chance after That's so many disappointments. True. And the two 16-year-olds, Lamine Yamal, by the way, tremendous pass as well uh, in setting up that goal. Isco, what, what can you say? Is Isco Maravilla? Yeah, oh, he's amazing. He's he? amazing. And we should enjoy him because he's not going to last for much longer. So let's enjoy him while he's still there. Is it your player of the season? Your top three has got it. If we were FIFA making a little short list, it's got to be Isco, Bellingham, Bellingham and Dovbeck, yeah? Yeah. Or, or Savio. Yeah, or Savio. One okay. of them too, right. yeah. yeah. Just yeah, checking. For sure. Huge win for Bayer Leverkusen in Germany as they come from behind twice against Leipzig to win 3-2 in added time like the week before and go seven points clear at the top. 
Yeah, two straight weeks that uh, they beat, um, the, 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 that they get those yeah, late, late and then buzzer beaters. Uh, difference is Leipzig are a much, much better team. Shout out to Xavi Simons. Again, Love so that. many great goals this weekend. Oh, again, His was one of the best. Yeah. Um, I thought they deserved this. I don't think this is a case. I think, you know, they they, they were hit by Openda on the counter, but they went toe-to-toe. Yeah. They stuck with their guns. Sure, Leipzig are a tough They lost out. Frimpong as well in the first half. Exactly. You know, so, so and, and of course, and, and they've got uh, they've got Tapsoba uh, away. They've got, they've got Boniface uh, injured. So, yeah, no, a huge win, seven points. Now, I think the conference really builds. Yeah. Girona demolished Sevilla 5-1 and stay top of La Liga as Artem Dovbik bags a hat-trick inside of 20 minutes. Jules, Girona still not going away, but how bad were Sevilla? They took the lead. They were 1-0 up and then they completely collapsed. It was a terrible performance. I mean, Girona are the best, really. You said Dovbik had trick in six minutes. It's just incredible. And they play with so much energy, so much tempo. It's been great performance from Girona. So well done to them. For Sevilla, you have to be really worried. Who's worse, Nianzu or Sergio Ramos? <sighs> I don't know, but at least one is young. (laughs) The post-Jose Mourinho era kicked off uh, in the Eternal City at Daniel De Rossi and Roma beat Verona 2-1 at the Olimpico. Gab, did they look much different? Well, first of all, I think it's very clear where the match-going fans stand. There were yeah. massive ovations for Mourinho. It was obviously a standing ovation for Daniele De Rossi. How could you not? He's captain future. So many of the players are booed. But yeah, no, they, they do look different. They, they yeah, want to play different. Four to start with. Uh, he moved to a black four. They played Pellegrini as, as, as a playmaker. They played El Sharawi and Dybala and Lukaku up front. Yeah. They had 62% possession at home, which shouldn't be a big deal, but for Roma, I think it is. Definitely. Uh, they got a little bit fortunate. Rui yeah, Patricio. Yeah. The second half uh, was not as good as that. Yeah, and Verona could have had a penalty, but still, they got the win. Paris Saint-Germain beat Orléans. Orléans, yeah. Orléans yeah. in the French Cup. 5-1 as Kevin scores twice. Jules, anything notable? Uh, yeah, that uh, we saw another Paris born and bred, Paris born and bred, sorry, a prodigy in Sandy Mayulu, who's 17, who's uh, born in 06, like and scored, Zaren, uh, like uh, like Warren Zairemri and scored. Luis Enrique loves him. He trains now every day with the first team. He can play as a everywhere in midfield. He can even play like wide on higher up on the pitch. He's very very promising. He hasn't signed yet a professional contract so like a new Ooh. deal so there's a possibility that he leaves you know one of those on a free like are you a, watching Dave Brailsford like get King, this guy things like Coman and all the others but he was very good in this game Ethan Mbappe also the brother also played a little bit so overall it was a what really about good my game. man Sharon Dore when do we get to see him play well yeah we, we saw him play in the cup already at school so yeah was so he good was good yeah, yeah. I like I, so, I so you said are. this guy was born in 06 yeah wow, so he's so old compared to Lamine Yamal <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Borussia Dortmund are back in Champions League contention, Gab, as they beat Cologne 4-0. And once again, the new boys shine. Yeah, Ian Madsen. Ah. I'm so happy. I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love it when I'm right. I love it when I'm right. I, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And it's not down to me. It's down to Ian Madsen. Yeah, but yes, the guy can play left back and he can be man of the match for Borussia Dortmund yeah, like he, he was. really well. Mukoko scoring as well. Jaden Sancho winning a penalty. Bit of a dubious penalty, but really? it, was a, penalty. it was a nice move. No, he did well. It was his first start. Lasted 65 minutes. Look, you're not going to get too excited when you beat Cologne and Darmstadt, who I think are literally the two bottom teams in the table. Yeah, but you're right up there, and oh. things seem to be moving in the right direction. And this is still with a lot of injuries, because they, uh, they had to bring on some kid for his debut, some German guy named Hendry or something who was like 19 years old. Yeah. So after Sule went off at halftime. Good news for Atletico Madrid. Atletico Bilbao lose in Valencia 1-0, and it's... Four straight now for Los Che. They're on the run. 
They're I really good. I think it's all down to you, Peter Lim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, despite having Peter Lim still as an owner, Valencia doing really, really well. Ruben Baraja doing an amazing job. Well done to him and the boys, especially the youngsters, who are really, really carrying... That's all they the have is youngsters. Oh, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, and maybe the fact that Mukhtar Derkabi is not there might be also a blessing. Some would say. Some would say. I don't know. Big win for La Real Sociedad too, Gabi. My man Bryce Mendes with a gorgeous goal again in the 1-0 victory this weekend. Yeah, and like one in the cup. And they're, they're, they're turning things around little yeah, by yeah, little. Little I mean, by little. Exactly. I still think this team is going to be very, very, very stretched with, uh, with all the competitions that they're in. But um, I'd love it if they made top four. Yeah, I'd really, yeah. really like it. Meanwhile, Stuttgart lose to Bochum, uh, VfL Bochum, 1-0. Jules, just four points in the last five games. Can't be all down to Serhu Girassi's absence. Are they falling off? Yeah, it's not just him. But just they were overachieving in the first half of the season. We said that many, many times. I think Girassi Regression himself, to the mean? Yeah, but Girassi himself was overachieving and, you know, uh, in terms of the goals he was scoring and the, the, the XG that he had. The same for them. This is probably more... I mean, they should not lose to Bochum, even away from home. But this is probably more the kind of level. They are not a team that can finish top four and qualify for the Champions League. I think they, if they're happy between... They would be happy between six and ten. And that's probably more where they belong than really a top four with Bayer Leverkusen, even the Dortmund, Leipzig, Bayern, all of that. Famous last words, Union Berlin qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, but, okay. yeah, you know. I think exactly. Inter take on Napoli in the Italian Super Cup in a few hours' time as we record this on Monday night in Saudi Arabia. Gab, they looked really good in the semi-final against Lazio. They did. That first half yeah, was really man. breathtaking. Um, Napoli, of course, uh, beating Fiorentina in their semi-final. Um, they're taking it seriously. Let's... It, Looks like it's going to be a full house. Yeah, let's hope for a good Let's game. hope it's a dignified yeah. spectacle more than that Fiorentina Napoli turd. <laughs> Marseille are out of the French Cup, losing oh. on penalties to Rennes. Jules, will they pin this on Reno? No, I don't think so. I mean, the game was pretty even, to be fair. Finished 1 1 in, uh, in normal time. And I think Reno was quite happy, especially with the first half where they took the lead, very two score. They played decent football. Then after that, it was depends. We don't have extra time in, in the French Cup anymore. You go straight into penalties. Good. Yeah, I think it's really good. And it was an amazing penalty shooter because all 12 Rennes players scored. And I think the first one to miss was a Gigo for Marseille, the Marseille captain. And this kid uh, for Rennes, who's 18, who's one of the, the really, really good players from the academy, Nadiga scored the winning goal, the winning penalty. It was just amazing uh, and the stadium erupted. It was great because last year in the French Cup, Rennes lost to Marseille 1-0 at the same stage of the season. So they got their revenge, which is good for them. Manchester United posted a pre-tax loss of £33 million in the first quarter of 23-24. Gab, is this a big deal? What does this mean? Uh, so basically, Manchester United, for the last four years, they've posted pre-tax losses in the first quarter. It's unusual for clubs to to go and release, give for, first give the quarterly results. Most do it on a sort of six-month or even yeah. annual uh, annual basis. This is a club that was printing money until very recently and have consistently made losses over the last three, four years. Um, Part of those losses, uh, part of the reason losses are so big, of course, is because they're servicing the huge debt that they accumulated. Yeah, of course. Oh, the debt which is there because 
after they borrowed money to buy the club, they dumped the club, uh, the, the debt on the club. But that's an old story. But one that I think younger generations still should be familiar with. Yeah. Uh, no, the only thing is obviously not going to get any better given that they're out of Europe this time around. That's the other thing, right? Yeah, so they yeah. have the initial Champions League revenue. They're not going to get any more from that. And they would have planned for what? A last 16, maybe quarterfinals in the Champions League? You would think I think, in the budget? I think last 16, most likely. Yeah. Sticking with United, they've identified their new chief executive. It's Omar Berrada, Paris born and bred. Yes, Paris born and bred. Omar, I love you. You know that. But the fun thing is, he's joining from their crosstown rivals, Manchester City. He yeah. was, his title was chief football operations officer at the City Football Group, and he was basically Ferran Soriano's uh, right hand man. This isn't quite Sol Campbell leaving Tottenham for Arsenal, is it? But this no. is a bit of a betrayal. Is, is it Agent Omar now there to screw up Old Trafford for it? No, I'm kidding. Well, no, but I think he's got a big job on his hand, obviously, now with restructuring that club and, and making that club or taking that club back towards the top. Uh, I can see why he wants that job. I think he's a very, very talented guy in many respects. He speaks five or six different languages. I think he was very good everywhere he went at Barcelona, where he was like head of sponsorships and a lot of other big roles. And obviously at City, uh, where, where he'd been for 11 years or 12 years now, I think it is. So good luck to him. I think it's a hell of a job. He will start at the start of next season. So I think he's on gardening leave now until, until, until the summer. Is it strange to you, because obviously we talked last week about those 115 charges against yeah. uh, Manchester City with Richard Masters wonderfully coming out and saying, well, a date's been set, but I can't tell you what it is because, well, lawyers. Presumably, if Richard Masters can't tell us a date, presumably Manchester United don't know the date either. They, is it weird to you if, if somehow City are, are found guilty for some of these charges, yeah. maybe that Manchester United wouldn't have waited until they find out what Omar Barada, the outcome of that case, or what Barada's case and all this was? Or, or maybe yeah. maybe his hiring is contingent on him not having any fallout from that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I, I mean, some of the stuff dates back to before he came to the before, club. Yeah, exactly. But some of it is after. Yeah, some of it is after. I mean, some of the um, the sources are like briefing that he was not involved in anything in any of those charges no knowledge no involvement I don't really personally I don't know the end I, I, I can't tell you if it's true or not it's uh, funny because it's a double-edged sword right because those charges are so serious and so big if proven obviously yeah that if he wasn't involved in them it's like what would you actually be doing you not really in the big boys room? yeah yeah exactly so it's a it's it's a tricky one because also he's also credited to having brought or helped bringing Erling Haaland to Manchester City as well in terms of like just negotiating the contract a bit like a, a sporting director or you know something like that so we see I just I just hope I don't know if it's possible maybe it's not possible until he leaves City but I would like to hear from Omar I, would, I really would like to, you know, you can talk about his time at City, his time at Barcelona, growing, being born and growing up in Paris, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Omar, come on and Gab and Jules meet. Yeah, come on, man. I'll, I'll send him a message. Uh, but, but yeah, I, and, you know, and what it means to him to get that United job, I think it's a massive job. It really is a massive job. I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's interesting, too, just getting somebody from your crosstown rivals. Like, that's, you know, it's just in the sense that it's, it's not like they woke up one day, right? It's, it's not like they texted Omar Barada last week and said, hey, no, yeah. right? So presumably they would have interviewed him yeah, or whatever else. Him, for sure. To me, it speaks to the fact that City right now don't see Manchester United as a direct rival. Because... Why? Ma well, 
He's the, free to leave City if he wants to join United. There's nothing City can do, right? No, no, they can't. But normally, you wouldn't want somebody, and, and I'm sure he went to City and he told them, hey, I've been approached for this big job, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm sure everything was above board. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just imagining, could you... Could you imagine Real Madrid negotiating with Deco to bring him from Barcelona during the season? No, I know what Could you, you mean. imagine, uh, you know, United trying to tempt Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola, or not United, sorry, Liverpool trying to pep, tempt Pep Guardiola to replace Klopp during a season, during a title race, right? Yeah, no, I, I think right now, mean. City feel that they and United are in different places, and so... If it means losing your number two and he wants to go, you're not going to stand in his way. You're not going to see it as like, well, what comes up in the interviews? Because inevitably he's going to yeah, talk about maybe. his job. Yeah, he's yeah. going to talk about his work, you know, city's plans, and that they don't see that in any way. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe. Osasuna be Getafe with a leg goal from Jesus Arezzo. Gab, there's a reason we're talking about this. Is That was a really, really, really special goal. Although he didn't mean it, of course, we all agree on that. But what an incredible goal. Yeah, in a weekend which saw tremendous moments of skill, yeah. this was not a moment of skill. But this was a moment that defied physics. I would yeah. love, and I have it out there. If, if, you're, if you're studying physics, if you're a physics PhD, if you're a physics professor, biomechanics, whatever it is, come and tell us how he did that. Because he's basically, first of all, he's, he's a fullback, right? He's, he's never scored in his life. Never scored ever. before. That's his he's, first goal. He's literally by the corner flag. Yeah. And he puts in a cross which goes through the defender's legs. I don't know. He must strike it. But, but, yeah, but outside of his... Remember the Roberto Carlos goal from Real Madrid? But yeah, but we've seen Olympic goals like in-swingers, but it's really hard to do with the outside of your foot. Really hard to do on purpose. Maybe it's easier to do accidentally. Yeah, but the, the trajectory of the ball is obviously helping him from the corner flag to bend it with the outside of his right foot into the, the top Why corner. does he even hit the ball with the outside of his right foot? Why doesn't he hit it within his instep and deliver across like a normal person? Because I think the way his body is positioned and where the defender is... He has is, no angle. No, that's just the only thing he can do because I think he's... Or did he actually mishit that part too? Maybe he meant even, to yeah, <laughs> maybe even. But I mean, I love it. I love it for him. Even if it's a massive fluke, obviously. Russian billionaire and art dealer Dmitry Rybolovlev is considering selling Monaco jewels. Yeah, that's right. It was confirmed yesterday by uh, the club and his entourage, basically. Tor Christian Carlson's old boss, Dmitry that's right, Rybolovlev. That's right. If you remember, he bought the club when they were in the second division for one euro. Yeah, I he, think. And who did he hire to get them back up? Uh, Tor Christian Carlson or well, Marco Simone? You mean? No, I was going to say Claudio Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri, sorry. yes, and Marco the, Simone as well. The master of dreams. Point. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Um, and Ribolovlev invested a lot of money, of course, his own money in the club. Uh, is he saying, is he one of the, I, I generally don't know, but is he one of those Russians who's sanctioned and whose assets uh, no, are I frozen? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So what, he broke, he's not a fan of the current regime? I don't think he ever was, really. I mean, he's been in Monaco for, for 25 long time, years, yeah. yeah. And I think he bought the club hoping that he would get the... Uh, Monaco passport and nationality, which he's still, he's still waiting, waiting for. <laughs> Despite all that investment within the club, he owns 66% of the shares. The rest is owned by the royal family, of course. Um, so I think he said he wants to tempt... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You listen for 25 years. You're business partners with these people, yeah. right? The royal yeah. family, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, Prince Albert and all of that. You can't be like, hey, Al, can you hook me up, please? He said when that. Apparently, it was promised the passport, but <laughs> he still hasn't. <laughs> well, Albert's too busy to get him a passport. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I presume it's, it's really hard. I mean, for people who don't know, it's really hard to get if you're not. Uh, you're the monarch. It's literally your country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Albert owns it. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. This is so a, he can go. No. He can go to his printer and make a passport <laughs> and write Dimitri on it. He can say to Christine at the office, Christine, can you please make a passport for Dimitri <laughs> Uh But if you're not monogasque from generation to generation, it's really hard. Yeah, to no, no, I understand more. that. I understand that. But. So, I, I, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. But he's got obviously a few. Uh, you know, uh, trials uh, behind him, Ribolov left. So there's a few stories that may be preventing yeah. him from getting out. I, I think know, so. But yeah. There's a famous, we'll uh, I mentioned art before. There is a re some really fascinating story yeah, about is. how he got, basically, he got duped yes. by an art dealer. Overspent. Overspent. Senegal beat Cameroon 3 1 to advance to the knockout round of the African Cup of Nations. Gab, not a great day for Andre Onana. He might be back at United without missing a game, actually. Yeah, I mean, Cameroon played I mean, Gambia after his performance. Shambles. I don't know if, if they're going to have him uh, in there uh, again. Um, rough day. Cameroon did have chances after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, I, I don't want to pin this on Onana, but yeah, when you make at least one and a half big mistakes in the game, you will pay the price. And your teammates went and created chances. Um, incidentally, Ali Usise, uh, the, the, the coach, obviously going to, he was hospitalized. An infection, he seems to be okay. Seems to be yeah, the Senegal manager, yeah, in the prime. But Cameron had just messed up. I told you that Onana to play that league game against Spurs, then to miss the first AFCON game it was a shambles. I, I think Rigo Berson is a shambles before these games, saying we've always been above Senegal, you know, we, you can't compare them to us, blah blah blah, and then get spanked like this. And then Samuel Leto is not much better. So for me, the whole Cameroon experience so far in this African has been a shambles. It, it's, it's the infight. Remember what happened at the World yeah. Cup when they sent Onana home. It's exactly. the infight. I don't get this. It's so weird. Egypt are also in a tough spot as they are held 2-2 by Ghana with a Mohamed Kudus masterclass. Oh, One of those goals. Again, so many great goals this weekend. Uh, amazing. Uh, Mohamed Salah picked up an injury too and that all hinges on their last match against Cape Verde, which kicks off in a few hours. Now, the really good news is that Cape Verde have already qualified as group winners. Yeah. So I'm assuming they, they might rotate. say, hey, we'll rotate, we'll play the B-list, the equipment guy, the team doctor, the team yeah. nurse, the third keeper, yeah? Yeah, I think that's that's certainly it. I mean, Cabrera have been one of the surprises of this they competition. They won the group. They won the group. Bebe scored, the, yeah, that's Bebe from Manchester United, former Manchester United player, scored an incredible free kick, even if the goalkeeper should have done better in that in that game but I'm a bit worried for Egypt because yeah they came back and showed character in that game against Ghana in the second half without Salah uh, but, but I don't think they've been playing well at all and apart from Marmouche who was really good in that second half against Ghana the rest is really average and Salah I think he's back to Liverpool for his treatment and his rehab on the hamstring injury he might go back later to the competition if they qualify. But they might not even finish in the best third. So it's a huge game for them coming up. Massive game. The Athletic report that FIFA finally set a date for the Women's Club World Cup, Gabby. And it's going to be in 2026. Uh, You're happy. I, I've been a big fan. I think this is, yeah. this is a no-brainer. I don't think either the Men's Club World Cup is a different issue. I don't think women's uh, development model for professional football should necessarily follow the men's. A Club World Cup makes a lot of sense. Um, 2026, is there something else going on in 2026 that might be FIFA-related? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you hope they find the right situation in the calendar so it gets yeah, attention it deserves. But, but if, it, if it can provide some stability, some income... Because, you know, the reality right now, whether we talk about it, blah, 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 uh, about money, the reality is most big clubs are 
not just cross-subsidized, but they're yeah. basically financed entirely by the men's team. And yeah. if we want them to stand alone, we need big competitions like this, and we need to monetize them. Yeah. Algeria get a late, late, late goal to get a draw against Burkina Faso. Jules, they need to win tomorrow night against Mauritania. Ooh, to be fair to them, they spent ten after they, they played ten hours of football in the Afcon and only yeah. scored their first goals yeah. uh, against Angola in a game they lost three two. So on paper, Algeria should win this game and should qualify. Hundred percent. But the more worrying thing, I think, for Jamel Belmadi and the team than Riyad Mahrez, who has been in terrible form, really, really poor, was even substituted in the second half. But that's why that guy Bounedji is doing fine, yeah. Yeah, I know, but yeah. if Algeria <laughs> wants to go anywhere, they need Riyad Mahrez to be at his best. It's that they're not playing well at all, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just a little bit worried. Not so much for that. I think they qualify, but for later stages of the of the competition of this tournament I just don't know how far they can go when you see a Morocco even Congo who look to me better team right now than Algeria you need Algeria to really improve to get final in this tournament uh, Jules you're so empathetic you worry for Egypt you worry about yeah, Algeria know, all this worry man I know I know I know I don't worry too much about Jesse Marsh to be fair Gabby uh, he appeared on Simon Jordan's podcast and said that when Leeds called him and offered him the job he told them they should keep Marcelo Bielsa in charge, and he only said yes because he liked the people at the club. Does this make sense to you? No. You know what doesn't make sense, too? Uh, and, and look, Jesse Marsh, I think he's a clever guy. Yeah, um, very smart. Despite going to Princeton, because as you know, you know yeah, my thoughts you know, about I know you Princeton. I know about that. Um, but he said something which, if he, if he knew anybody in journalism or PR, I would say, Jesse, don't say this. Even if it's true, yeah. don't say this because it makes it look stupid. This is a quote that he said. He said, my analysts, I guess he's a personal team of analysts. He I mean, presume he's talking about that, not a psychoanalyst. Said there was an 80% chance of being relegated, of Leeds United being relegated within three years. Right. Now, I, I'm sorry, who's your analyst? Like Nostradamus? <laughs> No, no, seriously. Like, I, I'm totally pro-analytics. I believe in numbers yeah, and whatever. Too. But He's nobody the... who says something like this is ever going to get taken seriously. You're damaging yourself. I, know. I don't know if he misspoke, if it was a misquote, if he meant to say something else. But don't say this. I'm not going to hire a guy who says, oh, really? You believe a bunch of nerds crunching numbers are going to tell you what's going to happen in three years' yeah, time? What gets me is the three years' time. Because if you said over the season... Because over the season, yeah, no, no. But three years' time, well, you, well, you don't know who you're going to sign in the transfer window. Well, you don't know who's going to own your club. Exactly. You don't know what's going to happen. Who player is going to improve? And like, it's, that three years is bonkers. I, I don't get that. It is. After 17 consecutive victories going back to week one of the season... Yeah. PSV Eindhoven have failed to win in the Eredivisie. They're held to a 1-1 draw away to Utrecht, despite taking the lead. Yeah, they took the lead. Jules, does this mean we can now make fun of Peter Bosch again? It means that uh, me wearing their shirt from the 90s jinxed (laughs) them massively. (laughs) It's your fault. I'm really sorry, PSV and PSV fan. That's not what I meant. I wanted to celebrate (laughs) you. And instead, I stopped that incredible run. Because as we mentioned on Thursday, the club record was 18 games, 18 wins in a row in the league so they show off that 88 uh, records the all of the time record in Eredivisie is Ajax uh, in the 70s and with Cruyff who were 19 games in a row with wins 19 wins in a row in the league so they can't beat that either but they still unbeaten they're still way top of the table so it's not too bad in the end but yeah it's a shame when those great records stop Emeric Laporte gave a long interview to Diario As in Spain uh, at the weekend. And Gab, I'm guessing he's really not enjoying his time in Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah, I'm surprised that, that he was so honest and so yeah. direct. Uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, nobody in Saudi Arabia reads the audio ass or I'll watches the Gabba Jewel show. Yeah, yeah it was show. Because I will now tell you some of the stuff he said. Um, he said that uh, a lot of the players who have come over are dissatisfied. He said that the clubs do look after the players, but they don't look after them enough. Yeah. Despite the enormous salaries that they earn. Yeah. Um, you know, in Europe, they take better care of you. He says, you know, we nego have to negotiate, so see if things improve a little. Um, maybe they're not used to us. Maybe need to be a little more serious, more professional. Um, and then it gets even worse. Yeah, I mean. Okay, I'm not going to get into the fact that he complains about he doesn't like living in Riyadh. You spend three hours a day yeah, in the car. Yeah, traffic is mad. Which... It's just all, you waste all this time in the car. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. Buy yourself an apartment next to the training ground. What do you want me to tell you? Uh, <laughs> but, but he said uh, um, he said something. Now, you can give them an ultimatum, but uh, it doesn't matter to them. They re you negotiate something, and then they don't accept it after you have signed it. And they fight you. You're talking about your employers right now. I don't know how they're going to take this. I don't know if he says, oh, maybe I, I, like, I, I don't. I think people will speculate that he says like, oh, look, he's going to say all these horrible things in hopes that they're going to say, OK, Amrick, don't come back. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. In which case, you hope that he's been paid before he went said this stuff. But I mean, this really borders on being, I think, really rude and disrespectful. Yeah. Because no. you can make these points in a different way. Yeah. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how what, what the reaction is. Definitely. Second straight show, I got to talk about Ivan Tony. Why you didn't want to? Why didn't you not want to? Because we talked to him about last week, and I'm already. I, you know my thoughts on on this situation. Anyway, Ivan Tony, free kick, Brentford, really big story. Supposedly. Yeah, it's a big story. I mean, Franco Nieka, the midfielder, said before the game that he that Tony would be like Eric Cantona was for United mm -hmm, when he came yeah, back from the like band. It, yeah. Let's behave here, okay, Onyeka? Please, let's behave. Tony is no Eric Cantona. However, he wasn't even born, was he? I know, when, but, but you know, good for him to come back after the eight-month ban uh, to score a goal. However, I've got a massive issue with that goal. Massive issue. I, it might be smart, and you might consider Tony smart for trying it. So he basically, it's a free kick. The referee, with his spray, uh, like sprays on the grass where the ball should be, mm -hmm. right? And then spray the line for the wall. Tony moves the ball away from on the right-hand side of the spray, outside of the zone of the spray, clear the spray with his hand so you can't see the spray anymore, move the ball onto the right, and then obviously the wall is not as well positioned, mm -hmm. and he curls it around the wall to score there where the goalkeeper doesn't expect it, right? Which is cheating. I don't care what Tony says. He says, no, you're allowed to move the ball half a yard on the right or the left. No, no, this is BS. You made that up. This is not an official Wait. rule. Yeah, he said that. Are you making things up? I know, man. Wow. Yeah, I'm true sure. as well. I, okay, people can say he's smart. Everybody is trying to bend the rules. Every footballer is trying to bend the rules. I was on uh, BBC Five Live Radio on Sunday and um, Stuart Downing was with us and he said when he was playing, Stuart Downing, every time he had a free kick, he moved the ball a yard back so the ball would be further out Save of the wall. Okay, yeah. to put it over the ball, over the wall. So I know everybody's trying to bend the rule. However, the referee should have spoken today. Maybe VAR should have said something. Maybe even the forest wall, who clearly could see Tony moving yeah. the ball, should have done something, said something, move a bit more. I don't know, but he counted forest really unhappy with it. Uh, file a complaint to the Premier League. Not that it's going to change anything, but you can see why they cross because they lost that game three two. 
But hey, for Tony, let's celebrate him. He came back with a goal, but I'm just not too happy with the goal. How do you get away with saying like, oh no, you're allowed to do that? Like, I, how, how do you get away with saying things like that? I don't know, well, because it's not in the laws of the game. It's, it's under know. this cancel rubric called unsporting conduct, right? Yeah, exactly. That, it's, it's the obvious thing. Exactly. You get booked if you do that. Exactly. <laughs> we talked about Bayern Munich earlier on the show, Gabi, and we said about their right back position. Well, they've been linked with Kieran Trippier and apparently made an approach to, United, to Newcastle United for him that got rejected. Yeah, I, I wonder, obviously, we, we, we saw what, what Darren Eel said about their financial situation yeah. and so on. It's not Trippier that's going to bring you a lot of money, though, at his age. No, but you get his wages off the books. So, you get a little bit of money back. You know, he's already been, he's been, been on the continent, as some people like to call it. Uh, he's been to, I've played for Atletico Madrid. Um, I suppose the good thing about Trippier is that he can cover both flanks. So you yeah, have true. cover for for Fonzie on the other side as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is he a big upgrade on Masrawi? And, and I wonder too if Trippier comes, he's going to want a multi-year deal as well. Like, is this what you mm. want to contribute? Didn't, I agree. Did, didn't you just say no to Benjamin Pavard because he was old? And by the way, he's what four years younger yeah. than Trippier. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. It I sounds don't. Desperation. I mean, I love Trippier as a player, but it sounds a little bit like desperate. Who can we sign? Let's try to sign anyone really at right back. Um, I'm available if they, I can play right back. Play. Isn't. Maybe Trippier's friends with Polina. Maybe he thinks he can, since he's obsessed with, with Jao Polina. True, who, yeah, you know. maybe, who knows. Cristiano Ronaldo had some things to say, Jules. Yeah, he, he reckons the Ballon d'Or and FIFA the Best Award have, quote, lost credibility. And also uh, that the Saudi Pro League is better than Ligue 1. I'll, I'll let you handle these any way you want. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, losing credibility because, what, he hasn't won it? Is they that... lose credibility when he doesn't want it. Uh, you yeah, know my view, I think it. they lost credibility a long time ago. But, uh, but I disagree on that. And uh, regarding the Saudi Pro League better than Ligue 1, I mean, anybody who's obviously watched the Saudi Pro League this season knows the answer and knows the truth that it's not better than Ligue 1. Uh, yes, you have some big stars, of course you do, but the level overall hasn't been good. And as we, um, you know, heard from players who are there uh, playing right now and are not happy at all with the level, with the organisation, with everything... I just think that it's fair to say that Cristiano had to say something like that. But why you know, is he picking on Ligue 1? Because like, it's the weakest of the five big leagues. So he, 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 can't I, say, he can't say the Saudi League is better than Serie A, La Liga, the I, Bundesliga or Premier League. Well, I, I would take it if he talked about a league that he's actually played in. So in other yeah, words, he's got no three, you know, yeah. if you talk to him, if he said it's almost as good as the Premier League or better than Premier League or Serie A or La Liga, whoever he wants to pick on, that's fine. But bringing but up Cristiano has never watched a Liga match anyway in his life. It's not possible. Why would he watch he, Liga? He doesn't his, watch football anyway. Isn't his son a big Messi fan? So is he? Yeah, I don't think right. so either. But hey, I, he can have all the opinions that he wants. He's Cristiano. He's one of the goals. So hey, we can always listen. Reports in Argentina said that Leo Messi and Angel Di Maria are planning to play in the Olympic Games in Paris. That's right. After the Copa America, so imagine, you know, at their age, uh, going back to back in those competitions, is it a good idea? Well, it's not a good idea for injured Miami. It's definitely who not. Apparently pays Lionel Messi's uh, wages. I don't even, I don't even know how. Why? I, I guess it could work. I think there's a couple of weeks between uh, between the two yeah, tournaments like the Euros, that, to yeah. play with, and look, it's not guaranteed that Argentina will go to the final Copa America. So if he decides to do this, he doesn't need to. He's won the Copa America before. He's won the yep. Olympics before. Yep. But if he wants to go out in some sort of Olympian blaze of glory, there's only 16 teams 
uh, in the men's tournament. Yeah, it's not the impossible. Olympics. Yeah. And he Why can not? come back to Paris as well. He loves Paris so much. He had such a great time over there. <laughs> exactly. Especially <laughs> in his first season. Yeah. Uh, but I... I will say this. Oh, yeah. And then in his second season when he liked it so much that he went to Saudi and got fined. Remember that? Yeah, Suspended? yeah, yeah. That's no, look, joking aside, the guy will end up doing whatever he wants. For sure. I do think, can you imagine if you're into Miami? He's like, okay, you know, he's won the gold medal at the Olympics. Great. Come back, Leo. And he's like, yeah, wait, now he needs to rest after the Olympics. And the next thing you know, it's September. It's like, that's right, you'll be back to the playoffs. And then, oops, uh, no playoffs. Again? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine? I know. Anyway, Jules, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Thursday. Of course. We got some League Cup football to talk about. Oh, yeah, between that and the Super Cup final tonight. Unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Love yourself.